and welcome into Poke the Bear episode 120. That is Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Marinovsky. Connor, how you doing? Evan, I'm doing well. How you doing? Doing great. Doing great. You just got back from New York uh, and, uh, you know, good road trip the Bruins had. And what's funny is we, you and I, you know, because your flight was Friday and because the game was Thursday night, we said we should do Poke the Bear on Friday instead. You know, I think people were kind of wondering, like, why isn't it out Friday morning? And it was like, no, because, you know, we want to talk about the two games and they were actually two very good games, but also a byproduct of us recording poke the bear later is uh, the Bruins drop that they signed Mitchell Miller uh, defenseman who was drafted by the coyotes, let go after, you know, a damning scathing report came out by the Arizona Republic, um, basically of the racist bullying that Mitchell Miller was, was um, and another teenager when they were 14 were putting upon Isaiah uh, Meyer Crothers. I hope I'm saying that name right. Um, and Mitchell Miller was let go by the Coyotes after this came out, you know, widely condemned, was in the USHL with Tri-City last year, uh, looking for a place to play this year, and the Bruins signed him. Um, I mean, I wild does not make any sense to me um, before we get into sort of the ins and outs of Miller and, and sort of what happened, I mean, what were just your initial reactions to this? Uh, pretty shocked. Uh, I just don't see the upside in any regard. Like you, you look at this player and I'm, I'm going to waste all of the next five seconds saying that, yeah, he put up really good numbers in the USHL and he's a right shot defenseman. Cool. It's nice. not worth it. When you look at, no. yeah, when you look at all this other shit that comes with it beyond, the Bruins now being the ones that are responsible for facilitating this second chance redemption story, whatever you want to call it. When you look at the details of what this is and it's, you know, people talking about, well, you were no angel at 14. Uh, Look at what he did and the amount of, you know, lack of, you know, just the amount of cruelty for, for what he did in that instance, repeated instances. Um, Look at the years beyond that, the lack of remorse is just, uh, it's disgusting, honestly, if you ask me. And Bro, it's something it's where it's really tough to read. I mean, just it's like it's disgusting. And the people who are like, well, he was 14, you know, these things happen. Uh, you, one, you're telling on yourself to so get your shit sorted out. And yes. two, it's one of those things where uh, there's a difference between doing something heinous at that age and coming out a better person and learning from it and being a regular human being in society. And it's another to then get absolved and then get a pro career playing professional hockey for a living where you make millions of dollars. There's a privilege that comes with that, that very, very, very few people get that millions dream about. And you know who facilitated uh, Mitch Miller getting back on that path is the Bruins. And it's just something that when you look at, I don't care if he uh, plays very well down in Providence and makes a a good push and he's a talented player, no doubt, but I I think when you look at just the amount of backlash, the amount of distraction, the amount of everything involving adding this guy to your organization, I just don't see the gains from the Bruins beyond on the ice. And that's what the problem is. So the other thing is, and you, you mentioned it is uh, they, you know, people are saying, Oh, he's 14. You know, look, I believe in second chances. I do. This is not one of those instances at all. This just isn't. 
Okay, this was a kid who did horrible, horrible things. I mean, you read some of these things, you know, charged uh, with assault and violating the Ohio Safe Schools Act in February 2016 when they were accused of making Meyer Crothers eat candy that had been placed in a urinal. Other accounts in a police report indicate the boys urinated on the candy before giving it to Meyer Crothers. Um, And then there's also a part in here. I'm just getting to it right now. Uh, where the mother says it was absolutely brutal. Had he not pled guilty, the video would have been released. It would have been so much worse on Mitchell because of the brutality to our son. He's smashing Isaiah's head against a brick wall. And the other part of this that's so damning is um, Guy Flaming on Twitter uh, was DMing with uh, Isaiah's mother. And she said that, uh, let me get to it. There's a few DMs. She said, a hockey is a privilege, as I've stated. Also, to be clear, it wasn't one incident as he keeps referring to, and as everybody seems to keep referring to, it is years and years and years of torture. And there's, I mean, there's other things in here, you know, calling him racist names and for, for a long time. And it's things like that, that I just look at and go, you know, if it was a tweet or something, if this was a, like a one-time thing that didn't result in, I guess, physically harming someone, you could say, okay, you know what? Yeah. Second chance. Sure. You know, bad kid, whatever. But this is so beyond that. I like. I don't get the whole like he deserves a second chance. No, he doesn't. Yeah. No, he doesn't. I, I I don't I don't understand that at all in this case. And for the Bruins to be the team to willingly take him in and say, hey, we want to re- you know we want to fix you. Why you're ten and one? Because he's good. No- and that's he's and that's, and you hit on this at the end. That's the sad part. Is because he's really good at hockey. Because he's really good at hockey. If this was any other workplace, that dude would be sent who knows where, right? I mean, I think, you know, to be in jail for some of this stuff, you know, if, it, if, if, if he it, wasn't 14, if he wasn't 14, like this is terrible. And I just, I, again, it, it's sad that this got through. And again, Don Sweeney's comments were, and I'll go through some of them, um, you know, mentioned he hasn't talked with, the, with, with Isaiah or his family, but they were, I guess, involved in. Uh, Mitchell reaching out. There's also a lot of others. I mean, I, I, we'll, we'll do Sweeney's comments first. Then we can get into, you know, the issues with the remorse with Mitchell Miller, because it didn't seem he was too remorseful. Um, uh, you know, Sweeney said multiple times, this decision could be wrong. The real one that kind of sparked my curiosity was uh, some in the Bruins leadership group asked why they were doing yes. this. And, you know, again, we don't know who said that, but if the team is like, Hey, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? What, 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 what is the point? I just, I know he's good, but I still just can't wrap my head around it. Well, it's one of those things where, yeah, again, I think even Don Sweeney alluded to the fact, and I think uh, Mark Diver, who does a great job covering the Providence Bruins, yes. was down there in practice and, and spoke to Miller and said that other teams are interested. So, you know, one of Sweeney's comments was like, well, other teams are going to give him a chance. Like, why not us? It's like, maybe because you're the Bruins and literally one of the foundational pieces of what you hear about with this team, especially since Zidane Chara took over and now in the Bergeron era is the accountability in the room, the uh, level of respect for one another. Um, you know, even look at like this sort of uh, when Patrice Bergeron reached out to uh, General Smith about the fact that he had. Uh, you know, depression and things like that. And Bergeron reached out to him and helped him along the way. Like it's all about communication, looking out for one another and treating everyone with respect. That's something that Zidane Chara literally installed, right? Like he had horrible hazing incidents growing up in Europe. And that's why he set down the, the ruling that there's no difference between uh, rookies or anything like that. There's no hazing involved there. So and now you're the one that are facilitating this, this instance. 
It's just you look at every single the only the only way the Bruins look at this and find it being something that's worth their while is if he's good on the ice. And you know what? It's kind of like Carolina last year with Tony D'Angelo, where he put up a lot of points for you, was good on the power play. Did you feel happy about it? I'm sure there were some fans who didn't give a shit. But for most people who can look at the morality of this, can, can you look at that? If Mitch Miller ends up being a 40-point guy on this team, now you got to deal with that, of having this person who, again, shouldn't have even been in this spot to be given the privilege to play pro hockey, and it's the Bruins that gave him a second chance. It's just I can't I can't see the, the positives out of any situation out of this. It just breaks my brain, Evan. And also, I mean, again, when you're looking at even when he was get, looking to get drafted, he sent a letter to every NHL team uh, acknowledging what happened and apologizing. But, you know, Joni Myers, Meyer Crothers, as his mother said, the Coyotes never contacted their family. And I don't believe, I mean, it's still like up in the air whether or not he's formally apologized to, um, to Isaiah. I know the mother said today he tried to reach out to Isaiah via Instagram to say he was sorry and had nothing to do with hockey. Uh, and she seemed to doubt that or to kind of say, Hey, that wasn't really sincere. And that's the other part of this is the other kid. uh, I read somewhere in the story, you know, like broke down crying when talking to the family and was kind of, you know, very remorseful. And even that kid, I mean, that's, that's terrible that he did that, but I mean, at least there was the actual apology. I'm not saying I'm not condoning it. I'm just saying like, you know, at least there was like something there, nothing on, on Miller's end. It seemed to be. Um, And I just, I don't know why, they felt the need to take this on. I don't like, I just, you know, yeah, your prospect pool's not great, but to do this, I mean, you didn't need this. You, you, and I mean, if we're going to talk like hockey wise, right? Like, obviously, yes, you always want better players. I I understand that, right? You're always looking to get better on the right side. You have McAvoy and Carlo, like, and you also have Connor Carrick in the, in the, in the system. And you have uh, Connor Clifton, who's doing a very good job. Um, and you have Zaboral who can play there. And you, like, you don't need this. There's no reason for this. Yeah. There is none. And it is. And, and for a team, by the way, that's on a last dance type run where everything is seemingly going right on the ice. Why introduce this jackass into your locker room? Like, what is the point of that? Before also going up to Toronto for a primetime matchup on Saturday. What do you, yeah. what do you think? What do you think is the going to be talked about there? Because I don't think a lot of people give a shit about the Bruins stat now. No, no, it went out the window. And again, I just, I mean, you know, again, we, uh, I, I don't know, I, I don't know how the Bruins make this good. I don't. I've, I've looked at it every possible way that I could possibly look at the situation, and I don't see a scenario in which this is a great thing for all involved. Um, I don't. I just, I don't. And by the way, uh, he wasn't like, you know. He wasn't some guy. And if I, you know, maybe I'm looking at the wrong draft projections, but back in 2020, which was the draft he was drafted yes. in, he was ranked like in the 70 to 80 range. Mm-hmm. This was not like some kid who was a potential top 10 pick who, you know, fell off because of this. And, you know, he's a diamond in the rough. And right. by that, but that still wouldn't be good. I'm not saying I'm not condoning right. that either. But what I'm saying is this kid was not like highly regarded. He's a, he puts up a lot of points on defense. And by the way, he was also older in the USHL last year. This was a kid. This was an older kid in that league. This was, this was, you know, this was not, you know, this prodigy. He was just good among younger kids. So I just, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. It just mind. That's all we can do. Right. 
shrug your shoulders and it's just uh, it's a sad commentary on their line of thinking and just uh, the nature of the game, I guess, that, you know, talent on the ice supersedes what you're what you are off of it and treating other decent human beings with respect. It's frankly, it's pretty gross. It's disgusting. Me. It's disgusting. And it's and it's it's sad that, again, you know, you still see and you still see people on Twitter being like, you know, he deserves a second chance. You oh, know, I'm he, sure there'll be comments it, on this YouTube as well, which yes, and find something else to watch because I really don't yes. give a shit. I don't but. care. And and that's and that's the part that I just look at and go, well, you know, I mean, this is just so different. This is one of those instances where, like, you hear about stuff and you read it and it's almost it's like worse than you ever could have imagined. Mm-hmm. And I think that is where, um, yeah, he's 14. But I mean. I don't know any 14 year olds that would have ever done this like that. That's that is a character deficiency that is beyond un- my understanding, at least. And I also would like to say this, you know, they, they trotted out Sweeney on Friday and he spoke. And again, we went over some of his comments and they were, you know, confusing. But I'm so, I, I wonder how they got to the decision. Like, how did they get to that? And I, I know, again, there are people in the room who said, who cares? He's good, you know? I understand that's probably what they said, but why not introduce like a psychologist? I just, I don't know. Like, I don't know if the GM is just the guy you want talking about this. I feel like there's, you want to show proof, like, like Tara Sullivan of the globe asked Sweeney, you know, um, what's the proof that you're going to work with him. Right. And he mentioned like, Oh, do do community events, but wouldn't you want to like do some sort of mental test? I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm off on this, but I just feel like there's there was more that they could have done with that. Yeah, it's just it's one of those ones where I don't know how you can give them the the benefit of the doubt in, in any of these situations now. And just for the Bruins, it just adds this level of just like, I don't, I don't know. It's like they're just feeling like you need to take like a shower or something, right? Like it's just, yeah, it's just it's it's gross. The the even what whatever their line of thinking is. At the end of the day, you still sign that player. It's still regardless of what the results are. It's something that's going to get brought up. He could, he could be a dude that in five years is going gunning for Norris because he got sixty points and is playing really well. You know what's going to be lingering over him and the team the entire time? So we're talking about right now and the fact that he's even in the league in the first place. So oh, this isn't going away. Yeah. Like that's the thing. This will always follow him, and we will always talk about this. I mean, I like, I don't know. You never want to root for players to not succeed, but this is a really good instance of not wanting to root for someone to succeed because it is disgusting and it is abhorrent and it is gross. And I don't know. And again, we've said this many times in the last you know 10 minutes. I don't know why the Bruins felt the need to be the ones to rehabilitate this kid um, because it's gross. It's disgusting. And I just, I mean, what else can you say? What else is there to say about this? And again, as you said, we're going to get YouTube comments, you know, about this and tweets and I've already seen a bunch of that's tweets. That's fine. And it's fine. You know, think what you want. That's fine. But this is ridiculous. And uh, I can't believe that they actually brought this upon themselves. Um, but there is a team on the ice that we have to talk about. There are guys who had nothing to do with this. So we will talk about them. Um, Bruins got two legitimate wins this week. Uh, yes. Big one in Pittsburgh. Probably one of their, I mean, the best game of the year so far. I mean, I know it's only 11 games, but easily the best game of the year. One of the best games in the past couple of years. I mean, that was a, a really good third period, six, five point in overtime. Uh, and then you also have the win over the Rangers on Thursday night. Again, the vibes could not have been higher uh, around this team. And then now they couldn't be lower. But uh, again, the main 
thing to come out of those two games. And really the whole start of the season is like Nick Foligno was right. He is, there's a clear resurgence there. Yeah. I think I'm uh, ready to eat crow as I imagine a lot of other Bruins fans are because he looks entirely different. He looks like Foligno oh. from like Columbus and it's he not dangles, just, he dangled the defenseman in the game. Against he's done Rangers. a couple he's of, he's, it had regularly. A, he's, had a, he's had a few toe drags had a few plays like that. Um, and it's just one of those things where it's just his speed is something that stands out. Right. I think when you look at last year, his biggest issue wasn't the physicality or the effort or anything like that. It was just always late arriving to pucks. He's out of the plays, unable to make much of an impact. And you're seeing him carry the puck, hold on to the puck down low, extend ozone time. Um, you know, he, Lindholm, who we could also talk about in terms of his play as of late, because he's been unbelievable. But um, he has that sweet setup on Charlie Coyle's goal. But for the first 15 seconds of that ozone possession, I think it was Nick Felino fighting down low with Keandre Miller and shielding the puck, protecting it, keeping it away from the Rangers and feeding it up to Lindholm. And we you know the Bruins get a 2-1 lead there at the time. And it's just... you. You look at Felino and what he brings, and it's something where you don't like to hop on the off-ice intangibles and how much how beloved he's in the room. Because again, you do need production on the ice to to warrant being in the lineup uh, in those situations, especially when you have a team like this that doesn't have that many kicks at the can and has a lot of depth further down in the lineup. Um, but to have him put it all together so far, I mean, he's got seven points in eleven games. Um, again, that's not to say that he's going to be a 40 point guy this year. He's going to be in the top six. Like he was at the end of that game, which I wrote in my column. It's like, listen, go to New York city. See a lot of shit that doesn't rattle people. You got like rats eating pizza. You got people dressed as like Elmo, like kickboxing each other in times square. It doesn't phase people. Like if you asked like a Bruins fan at Madison square garden, maybe before the season started that Felino was going to be on the top line with Marshall and Bergeron, like uh, less, less than a month into the season, they would be rattled. And that's not the Stunned. case because when he got called up there, when he got uh, pushed up to the lineup, uh, you know, Montgomery with that call was well warranted. Like he was probably, I think, their best overall forward in that game. And it's just if you have a guy like him operating at that level down on the fourth line or even the third line, if they need to switch things up and give Coyle uh, a guy like Felino as well. So far, he's been up to the task. Like he's not a liability out there in any regard. And he's playing like he's, again, turned back the clock five plus years. Yeah. I mean, again, just the production, you look at the little things too, you know, uh, I, be- I think there's a second assist. Um, I think it might've been the coil goal. I might be misremembering it, but uh, you know, Lindholm had the pass around the net and that was all Felino, you know, bringing it up, he, he brought it up the zone, right. To mm-hmm. Lindholm and like just doing the little things, right. I, yeah. I mean, it was good for him that he got an assist on it. But again, I just, I keep going back to, uh, and I think I'm with you on this eating a lot of crow with Felino. Um, and it, and I, again, the broadcast kept mentioning it, but I think it does make a huge difference when a guy spends the offseason training and not rehabbing injuries. And I think with Felino, it's pretty clear. And he's working out. And you know what? It's a fun story. It is. I know he's making a lot of money. I know people will still argue if he's worth the cap space, but he's on the roster. He's making an impact. He's also, you know, a, an easy guy to like, you know, like, you know, I mean, granted, he's not doing, you know, promos with Lil John. Like uh, like Bruce Cassidy is, yes. But uh, he's getting close to the candy corn, so I'll give him that. Um, safe bet though that Nick Felino kind of keeps up with the with the production. Hopefully, uh, we're talking really safe bets. We're talking about good friends over at Bet Online. Where you are, Evan? Listen up, guys. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your bet needs and sports info. Over at Bet Online, you can still find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments. <laughs> 
the latest fighting news, NFL bets, and yes, with the NHL back, even more wages and odds. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. It's super easy to get started, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Where the game starts. So before we get to the injuries the Bruins have sustained over the past uh, couple games, Hampus Lindholm, another one. Um... Number three in the NHL in points. Uh, I still find that I don't, I was actually looking this morning. Um, the top point getters out of defensemen in the NHL right now, are Eric Carlson, number one, Rasmus Dalin two, Hampus Lindholm three. I have a weird case that Lindholm actually might be the least surprising of those three. Um, oh, easily. Yeah. I mean, Dalin is, Dalin is young still, like he's still growing and, yeah. and developing. It's taken, I think, a, longer than people thought, but he is good. Like good. Very good offensive defenseman, uh, but Eric Carlson, who's just like scoring every night, yeah, it is unreal. Patrick, unbelievable. I mean, incredible. A bad team. Good job, guys. <laughs> he's, he's he's costing them a good draft pick because he's yes. so good. Um, I wonder if they're going to be able to move his contract to get picks. I don't know how you would move his deal. Yeah, I don't. I don't a, know how you move that contract. It's a ton of money. Um, but Lindholm has been outstanding and that lends to this. I mean, the Bruins have, I think are coming to that point where they have two legitimate number one defensemen. obviously McAvoy. I, I was going to tweet last night, uh, and I didn't do this, but I was going to tweet, uh, Hampus Lindholm is Bailey Zappi and Charlie McAvoy is, is Mac Jones. I just, I don't want to get into that. You know, I was honestly like, it was a funny thought, but nah, I don't really need to. <laughs> don't need to open up that can of worms. Um, I don't need Adam Jones coming at me. Um, but I do think that. You know, going into the season, I think we all thought Lindholm was very good. I don't think he was a true number one defenseman. Now, I mean, he has been the number one defenseman. He's produced. Did I read he leads the league in plus minus? I know we don't really consider that a stat, but I mean, that's something. And now you have two, when McAvoy turns two legitimate number one defensemen. It's, it's, yeah, it's the fact that he's playing at this level has been unbelievable. And you look at, again, the amount of guys that are pulling on the rope, like, uh, Forbert, who we'll talk about in a minute, obviously, but like Clifton as well. But this team would still probably be in a rough spot. I wouldn't be 10 and one if it wasn't for Lindholm just going sicko mode just half a year, right? I mean, just everything he's done has been uh, impressive in terms of just not even just the offensive game, which it, it's encouraging to see him put up this many points. And some that Montgomery talked about that a guy like, um, a guy like Lindholm had a few more levels to reach offensively. And what does he know? You get a four point night against Pittsburgh. You have another two point night, but even just like defensively, he's just one of those guys that maybe if he's not the flashiest guy, he always just seems to make the right play, right? Like he knows when to put the stick down, disrupt the pass, uh, get in front of a passing lane, makes the the simple smart first pass on a breakout, like just does all these little things, right? That when you have a guy like that, who gives you, 22 23 24 at least for right now minutes a night it's such a luxury to have that so when you have a guy like McAvoy in place not only does it put you over the top in terms of having two of those guys but it also makes it easier for Montgomery to match things up right like does he go Lindholm and McAvoy in a super pairing like do you now have the luxury of having Lindholm on the second pair you know it's one of those things where you can really kind of do a lot with it and build around two defensemen one who's probably top five I would say McAvoy but I don't know. Wait, Lindholm's playing. He's playing like a 
top 10, top, top 15 guy right now. So well, as we've seen with Montgomery, I mean, he's not afraid to mix and match his, uh, his forward lines. Um, and you, I think it is completely in the realm of possibility that he might split those two up for the first two periods, but if they need it in the third, whether they need a goal or they want to defend, you know, a lead, right. those two are going to be back together. Um, and I mean, again, I just, I don't know how you can't be encouraged with what Lindholm's done so far. Um, just the, the, the impact he's had uh, at both ends of the ice. And I mean, again, the four point night in Pittsburgh and the craziest part of that wasn't even the four point night, but that no one else had more than a point in a six goal game, which again, and we've talked about this a, a bunch of times. So I'm not going to like dive into this. We'll save it for later uh, if it ever changes, but they're getting scoring from everywhere, like everywhere. Yes. And I think again, it's encouraging stuff. Uh, what isn't encouraging though, Injuries. Injuries uh, have hit them. Obviously, Krejci's been out. Craig Smith has been day to day. But now Derek Forbert took a shot off of his it was middle finger. Was yes. it right? Middle, middle finger had surgery on it uh, or a procedure going to be out four to six weeks. Jeremy Swayman. We don't quite know the diagnosis. They just said weeks. Uh, I mean, again, just judging by the fact that he didn't put weight on it, leaving the ice. I know Matt Porter reported that um, Matt Porter reported. <laughs> Can't spell reporter without Porter. Um, I'm sure that'll be clipped. But, you know, he, him leaving the uh, arena with just was like an ice pack on it or something. Um, mm-hmm. But again, just judging by Bergeron's reaction, it didn't look very good. Not great. And I think not great. And I think those are two very underrated guys in the sense that yes, Linus Olmark is producing very well in net. Yes. The defense is doing enough, but Derek Forbert is extremely vital to that team defensively. And Jeremy Swayman is extremely vital to that net. And I think those are, I mean, I don't think this is a hot take saying this. Those are two very big losses if it's for, you know, a few weeks. Yeah, absolutely. It's two guys that play key roles, especially in terms of just overall workload and what their roles are. Obviously their roles Jeremy Swingman as a goalie, pretty cut and dry in terms of where he's missed there. But also just the fact that even though Olmark is playing at a very high level and based on Montgomery's comment, it's going to be uh, Olmark once again up in Toronto. It's one thing where, you know, it's good that you have a guy you can ride the hot hand with, but one, you don't want to, again, overexert uh, Olmark in the early going here. But also if he hits a stretch or hits a lull where his game dips a little bit, you're kind of stuck with them unless you want to give Keith and Kate a couple of looks, which I, I mean, if Stroman is indeed out for weeks, then you're going to have to give Kincaid a couple of starts at the very least. But if Omar kind of, you know, strays away from his game a little bit, the Bruins at least had the luxury of having another talented goalie, a guy who was motivated in Swayman that the opportunity, you know, was there for him. He could play well, get himself back into those starting reps and get more starts down the road. So now you're kind of stuck with, just hoping that Omar continues to play this high level. He's been great, but again, all it takes is one game and it's a, a fickle thing goaltending. So we'll see how that kind of maps out. And then Fulbert, as you said, um, kind of the unsung hero on the team so far, great on the penalty kill. Just again, his business consistently good in his own zone uh, so far this year. And when you look at just where, what his role is on that third pair and on the PK, that's when things can get tough, right? Like, are you giving those extra PK reps to, is it Clifton? Is it Strawman, who I think has been pretty shaky since starting the, the regular yeah. season? So it's one of those things where they, you have guys, right? But if they don't do it, they don't do their job to the degree and as well as Forbert does. So you hope that he doesn't miss a whole bunch of time. And you hope, especially that once he does get back, there's not a lot of rust because I think you saw Forbert elevate his game in the playoffs and it's carried over to the season. You just hope he doesn't lose any of that when he does get back in mid-December onward. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess the only silver lining with Forbert is that it doesn't seem like it's an injury that would bother him forever. I, yeah. I, maybe I'm wrong. I'm not a again. I'm not a doctor. Um, but I I think that that's you know that's something that doesn't bother you forever. Swayman's though I think is concerning, yes. given that it's on his leg. And uh, I don't know if you knew this, Connor, but to be a goalie, the legs they got to be they got to be good uh, if oh, you really want to be a, an oh, effective okay. goalie. Isn't that wild to hear? Um, anyways, Connor, to get uh, more insightful analysis than that uh, over at BSJ, what 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 are you working on? What can people look forward to from you? Yeah, we'll continue to uh, cover things every step away with this team, both the good and the bad every day uh, as the season goes on over at BSJ with game reports, features, columns, all that stuff. Uh, so please subscribe over at bostonsportsjournal.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all that. That's Connor Ryan, Evan Marinovsky, Poke the Bear listeners. Have a great rest of your week. 